Hello, hello, hello. It is good to see everybody. Great time of worship brought me back with some of those songs. I remember some really good worship and prayer nights with some of those songs as a kid. Well, I'm excited to be back, first of all. Um, I have not preached in quite some time, and so I'm happy to be back and preaching again. Um, and, you know, for the next couple of months, we're going to be doing a little bit different than what we're normally doing. I won't be exegeting a large portion of Scripture or a passage of Scripture. Uh, what we're going to be looking at uh, is just, I'm calling the series Reflections. Uh, over uh, reading through my devotionals every day the last few months, there's been key passages that God has really put on my heart that I've been reflecting on. Uh, and I just, uh, what I'll be doing is I'll be sharing some of those more pastoral reflections uh, with the church, with you, uh, over the next couple of months. And I'm really excited about it because I, I believe that as God has been speaking to me through them, that uh, God will be able to speak to our congregation through them as well. And so today, the first one that we're doing, uh, the title of this message is Babylon Has Fallen. And it comes from the text Isaiah 21, verse 9. And Isaiah 21, verse 9 reads this. Fallen, fallen is Babylon and all the carved images of her gods. He has shattered to the ground. Fallen, fallen is Babylon and all the carved images of her gods. He has shattered to the ground. If you are new here, welcome my name is Justin. I'm excited to have you here. Please come say hi to me after service. Um, I, I love our church. I love what God is doing. I love that uh, we are not even three years old yet and we can look around the room and celebrate the wonderful things that God is doing in Bay Ridge. And, you know, one thing about not preaching for three months is I have a lot more time to reflect uh, because preaching takes up quite some time of preparation during the week. And something that I have been just really excited about is how much God has in store for us as a church. Um, as, as we look forward into what God has for us, I, I just get excited thinking about all the, you know, we just had a story, a series of stories. And we've heard what God has done in different people's lives. Uh, and I just think we are... You know, we are Levi's age. Levi, my second son, uh, my second child, is three years old. Uh, so we're a few months shy of Levi's age. And I think about all that he has ahead of him. And then it gets me really excited about all that God has ahead of us for our church. Um, and, you know, we our, our church is really centered around these three values, community, discipleship and creativity uh, and what we've just, what I've seen God do with real community, obedience to scripture or discipleship and doing it in a way that is proper for Bay Ridge in 2019 and uh, just not copying what we see out there or, or being a cookie cutter church or place. We are really trying to hear from God. What do you have for our community? What do you have for us to do? And we want to follow that plan. It gets me just pumped up uh, about, about where we're going. Um, that had nothing to do with my sermon. I'm just excited to be back and, and ready to get in. So 
but let's get into the sermon today. Isaiah chapter 21, verse 9. And I just want to share a little bit about Babylon. If you don't know your history, you know Babylon was one of the greatest empires in history in the B.C. days uh, before Christ or whatever they call it nowadays. Uh, and Babylon was a nation that had conquered uh, a much of the Middle East as we know it today. It was one of the greatest uh, nations that ever came to the earth. But Babylon in Scripture was also the image of wickedness. You know, when you look at scripture and you look at when wickedness is talked about, uh, many times Babylon is mentioned. And, uh, you know, if you think about what is, you know, growing up, you know, what what was the center of wickedness for me? You know, growing up in a Christian home, uh, it was Marilyn Manson. You know, that was the center of wickedness. Uh, It was the Smurfs for some reason. You know, uh, Harry Potter and the Catholic Church just figured out, you know, that they don't like Harry Potter and banned it from all their schools. So, you know, we didn't get any laughs for that one. I'm just kidding, guys. I know there's a lot of Harry Potter fans in the church. Um, True story. I was 21 and I watched the Harry Potter movie. And (laughs) this is great. My mom and dad, I was still living at the house. Uh, My mom and dad... Uh, I think my mom said, Justin, you know, me, me and your dad need to talk to you later on when you have some time. And I was like, man, I wonder what happened, you know? Uh, I'm like, did I, did I do anything? I mean, at that point, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty Christian, you know? I'm not doing anything crazy. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, they formally call me into the living room later on. I sit down and, you know, it looked like, you know, our, our cat died, but that was like 15 years ago. So I was very confused. Um, and... My dad said, we found a Harry Potter DVD in your room, Justin. <laughs> like, is this an intervention right now? <laughs> um, but think about the center of wickedness. You know, in your head, what is the center of wickedness? You know, what, if you think of a place that is evil, a time that is evil, a person that is evil, this is Babylon in Scripture. The... Babylon is described as the great prostitute in Scripture. When Babylon is personified, uh, she is called the whore of Babylon in Scripture. When we think about evil personified. In Revelation, it describes Babylon more this way. Revelation verses, uh, chapter 17 to 19 goes in depth, but I'm just going to read chapters 18 verses 2 and 3 for you. It says this, and echoing Isaiah chapter 21, it says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. See, both of these passages start off with the same saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon. See, the interesting thing about this is when talking about evilness and talking about wickedness and talking about idolatry. The time that we live in now, the time that Isaiah was prophesying to, the time that Revelation was speaking about, was a time when the idols of Babylon, the the prostitution of Babylon, the 
idolatry, the worship of evilness of Babylon would be conquered and would be fallen. God has defeated all of the idols of Babylon. There is not one God, there is no demon that reigns over the earth that has power over people um, that is not broken, that is not shattered, that has not been destroyed. God has defeated all the idols. Yet, I find that we are still bound by them. You know, it, over the last year, um, it, is, it is, so I remember when I, in my last birthday, I remember thinking, I'm settled in life. Uh, probably a lot won't change this year. Uh, and it, it will be a good year where, you know, the church is getting established. My business has been fine. Um, and, you know, if you just don't say things like that, you know, ever in your life. <laughs> Somebody in heaven is listening. And says, all right, let's, let's mess around with this. Let's mess around with this statement for a little while. So this past year, what I thought would be a, a year of just like of just building turned out to be one of the most stressful years of my life. Uh, <laughs> laugh at it. It's OK. You know, I'm laughing now because or else you'd see me crying in the corner behind the curtain. But I got to preach right now. And, and God showed me some stuff during this time of stress over my last year. That what happened is whenever, you know, there were intense stress points during the year that I I felt myself cracking and breaking under the stress. You know, I've always thought I've always prided myself in being able to hold up under strenuous situations. I'm one of those guys that when stress hits, uh, instead of, you know, not knowing what to do, that's where I have a moment of clarity. That's where I, I know what to do. I know, you know, where to go. Uh, whenever there's something crazy in the house that's happening, uh, it's not a freak out for me. I, I understand, all right, this is what we do to fix, you know, when something is going crazy. And so this has always been a, a pride point uh, for me. But this last year, God decided to really test my pride in this and see and show me my capacity uh, to hold stress was not as great as I thought it was. And so there were several seasons of time where There was no way that everything could possibly go wrong the way it was going wrong. Uh, There's no such thing as this being a coincidence in my life. God was doing something or at least using what was happening to do something in my life. Anybody God ever use a hard time in your life? And so I realized, though, that when the stress came on, my coping mechanisms, what I did when the stress came was not something that I was proud of. What would happen is I realized I started to go backwards. I started to look at the old idols in my life and look at them and say, well, you know, I need some stress relief right now. I need some momentary highs. I need some ways to just escape from the world. And you look really enticing to do that right now. See, what does God teach us to do? God teaches us to go to him in our time of help. We just read that a few minutes ago. That we go to him in our time of stress, in our time of need. Hopefully your cell phone's not cracked. Because you're about to have a stressful time right now. But for me, the, 
during the stressful times, the temptation would gear up for me. And, and y'all about to laugh at me about my coping mechanisms, but it's okay. For me, what the, the idolatry in my life, the, the idolatry that I have given myself all over to as a kid, there were always three things that I went to. And these were the three things that made me feel good, that I enjoyed, that whenever I wanted to have me time, these are the three things that I did. It was entertainment, TV, movies, binging, whatever, before. Netflix binging was a thing, trust me, I knew how to binge. It was called illegal downloading on the computer. (laughs) Games. You know, I, I am not a morning person. I, I am the farthest thing from a morning person there is. You know, Heather woke me up for a feeding last night with the girls. Um, and I was just grumbling around the house saying, like, where's the bottle? Where's the bottle? Where's the bottle? Because I couldn't find it. And Lex was screaming and I had it and I didn't want her to wake up the boys. Uh, and she just had to say, Justin, calm down. The bottle is right there. You know, like this, I'm not a morning person. Right. And but I remember waking up at 530 in the morning to play video games before going to school because that was my idol. That was that was the thing I went to. That was my fix. What I needed to have a good day at school. And the third thing was always lust. You know, this was something that I found satisfaction and gratification in. And I've. Notice that even though God has conquered, many times we still live bound. Right? Even even though God has conquered these things, even though I've lived in freedom from these things, even though I have seen God shatter them in my life, what would happen is when the stress would come and the hard times would come, My first thought, my first reaction, I had disciplined my body. I disciplined my mind and my heart to go back to the shattered idols and say, well, I have felt better when I watched this show for four hours. I know things aren't going good when I start looking through the app store and downloading four or five games in a day. Right, Because I have trained myself over decades of living that this is how I feel better. This is my help in a time of need. And you can substitute whatever it is that I'm saying. It may be these three things for me, but whatever it is for you, we all have coping mechanisms that we've trained ourselves to go to. Some of the idols that I see today, some of the three ones that I was meditating on myself as I read this scripture, one was the idol of acceptance. You know, I think one of the main reasons why we don't share the gospel in a postmodern world, in a, in a rationalistic, logical world that we live in today, is because we have an idol of acceptance in the church. That people will find us to be strange or weird if we share that we are Christian, if we share about the gospel, about what, what Paul says is foolishness to the wise. We we would rather go to work and live in comfort and, and happiness with everybody around us. And happiness means there's no conflict, which means I never share about my beliefs. You know, I realized that this was happening even in myself recently. And so uh, I started doing something uh, when when somebody asks me what I do, I always have an option. I can tell them I, I'm, I'm in marketing and advertising or I can tell them I'm a pastor. Uh, And what I found over the years is it's a lot easier as an introvert to just tell somebody I'm in marketing or advertising 
than I am to tell somebody uh, I am a pastor. Uh, and I'll give you an example of this. Uh, if I tell someone I'm in advertising, oh, cool, end of conversation, move on. Uh, now, Lex, now Ellie was born breech with Heather. Uh, and so when your baby is born breech at four to six weeks, you have to go get a sonogram of their hip to make sure that nothing is dislocated or out of place. Breach, if you don't know, is when the baby's head is not down, it's feet first. Wild, if you've ever seen that, the doctor pulled that baby out feet first uh, from Heather, and I was just like, oh my lord, what in the world is going on? Um, and so we, we take Ellie to, I, I take her to go get her sonogram, and I'm sitting in the sonogram room with the two nurses, uh, and they ask me what I do, and I told them, uh, here we go, I have the choice. Am I a pastor or am I a marketing person? And I say, well, I'm a pastor. And so uh, for an hour, <laughs> the sonogram was supposed to take 20 minutes, y'all. But for an hour, we sat there and talked about their families and their life and their religious walk. One of the people that was doing the sonogram with me, she was a Mormon. Uh, and she had just separated from her husband and she had twins as well uh, and two older kids outside of that, very similar to my situation. And the other lady was this Puerto Rican old school Pentecostal nurse uh, who grew up in Park Slope and went to, you know, the Assemblies of God on the corner and now lives in New Jersey. Uh, and so she was started preaching uh, and stopped doing the sonogram. And I was like, can you get back to the sonogram? I'm already a Christian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then she, you know, she just, she was going off and she goes, you know, and, and I have this one family member doesn't even believe in the Trinity that Jesus is God, the father. And then the other nurse is like, I don't believe that. Don't tell her. And, I'm just, and you know, she's like, but then she's like, but where's your church? You know, <laughs> and I'm just nodding my head. I'm trying to talk to her about separation and you know, that what what that can do and she wanted to reconcile and, and I'm trying to tell the nurse to write, you know, this is actually, I think, a better way to preach to this one and blah, blah. And so this, this is an hour conversation that I have and on one end, I'm like, God, I want to get out of this sonogram. But on the other end, I was praying, God, did you plant a seed in that woman's heart that was going through a struggle at that time? And I've realized that as I've started to have this conversation with people and they ask me what I do, the more I begin to share that I'm a pastor, the more open doors it gives it. How, how many times does somebody ask us what we're doing for the weekend and we conveniently always leave out church? That we're going to be with our assembly on Sunday with the brothers and sisters, right? We'll tell everybody about the movie we're going to see, about the soccer practice for our kids or for the place that we're going to go eat or the, the, the hangout spot on Saturday night. But how conveniently we always leave out that we worship our one true God on Sunday morning together. There are ways that we have given in to the culture that if you are not accepted, that you, there is something wrong to you. This is an idol of our culture. That if you are outcast, if you are canceled, then you are gone. You are blacklisted. We do not talk to you. We boycott friendship with you. We, we, are, we are going to delete you from our, our Facebook page. We're going to unfollow you on Instagram because you're one of those. We've given in to the idol of acceptance. The other one I was reflecting on is comfort. All right, entertainment or pleasure over obedience. 
This is one I know very well. Right? The, the question every night for me, every morning for me, every night it's this. Will I spend time with God or will I watch my show? That is a question I'm faced with every night. Will I give in to the worship of comfort or will I give in to the worship of God? Every morning I'm faced with this question. Will I spend time with God or will I scroll through Instagram stories? Right, and now the iPhone got this neat little trick where every Sunday it tells you how many hours on average you spent on your phone. You know, and I love it. Sunday morning before I preach, I always see how good or bad I'm doing at my Christian walk uh, for the last week. It's like, you're about to preach in 10 minutes. You have failed this week as a Christian. Thumbs up. You're going to preach an anointed message today. Right, the, the idol of comfort is something that we as a country, as a people have given into that we have industries around comfort food, comfort entertainment, comfort things to do, right? We, this is, we have created a culture that is around never going out, being at home, and watching TV, playing video games nonstop, constantly, 24-7. We revolve around this world. And so when it comes time to where do we pick? Do we worship our comfort tonight or do we worship God tonight? That's an easy yes to worship for comfort because we think, well, God will be there tomorrow and then God will be there tomorrow and then God will be there tomorrow. And then what? We live a life of worship in idolatry to comfort. And the third thing I was reflecting on was worldly goods. Our job, our money, our clothes, our sneakers, our vacations, our family, worldly things that we worship. That we think, man, if right, the, the highlight of my week is when I, when I press checkout on Amazon or Target. The highlight of my week is when that package comes in the mail. And I, and I take out my new kicks and I'm thinking about all the fire color coordination throughout the week that's going to happen and how everybody is going to talk to me and how I'm going to make it to sneakers and preachers one day. <laughs> right? We, we obsess about that upcoming vacation. I can't wait. I'm going to save my money for vacation or I'm going to go into debt for that my vacation because that is my worship. That is the thing that I want. That is what's going to save me from my year. That beach, that sand, and that water, if I can just get to that. My job is everything. I, I have to neglect God, neglect my family, neglect my friends because my job is everything. If, if I lose my job, then I lose my life and my identity. I don't know what I'm going to do. My security is not in Jesus in my worship of God. My security is in my job and my worship of what someone else provides for me. And then what happens is it's, it's a vicious cycle because then we start to get mad at God and we wonder... Why do we not see freedom, God? Why don't I see freedom from my sin? When our worship is towards idolatry and not towards Jesus. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament 
of King Ahab. And he decided to worship Baal. He was probably the worst king of the northern kingdom of Israel, who was an apostate, uh, many apostate kings. And King Ahab had sent up, set up hundreds of priests to worship false gods. And then Elijah comes and he says, my God is greater. Let's set up a competition between the two gods. And so they accept the challenge and they go up to the mountaintop and the first, the priests of Baal set up an altar and they begin to call out to Baal. And the challenge was whichever God would light the altar on fire first, that was the true and living God. And so the priests of Baal begin to worship and pray and mutilate themselves and, and nothing is happening. And Elijah just starts to make fun of them. Oh, maybe, maybe he went on vacation. Maybe he's asleep right now and that's why he doesn't hear you. You got to talk a little louder, wake him up. And what happens when we begin to worship the idolatry of our culture, of whatever it is in our heart that we go to, the things that we look to for our pleasure, the things that we look to for our stress relief, the things that we look to to escape and to save. What happens is we are building that altar for that God. And we're saying, save me, save me, save me. But as Elijah said, you worship dead idols of wood and stone. They cannot hear you and they cannot save you. And so we worship and we pray and we worship and we pray and we say, why am I not free? Well, maybe because your worship is towards the wrong God. See, worship is misunderstood as only being... Uh, able to sing a song. Worship is really an action in scripture. Where you put your time, your energy, and your money, that is your worship. So if, you're, if you sing a couple of songs on Sunday, but then worship false gods from Monday through Saturday and Sunday afternoon... You are really like the priests of Baal who are calling down fire to a false god who cannot hear you. But then when Elijah gets up, what does he do? He, he digs a moat around the altar and he fills it with water. But he says, you know what? This is not enough. And then he gets buckets. He says, come on, get some more buckets of water. And he throws it on the altar and he makes sure that it's nice and wet. So that everybody will know that what is about to happen is real. And then he prays to God a single prayer. And what happens? Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the altar. See, when you are stressed, when you are feeling low, where do you turn? Because that is your God. Is your help in the Lord? During your time of need? Or do you run to your TV? Do you run to your food? Do you run to your bad relationship? Do you run to porn? Where are you running to? Do you dig deeper in the trenches of your work? Whatever you run towards is whatever you think will save you. 
whatever you run towards is whatever you think will save you. When you begin to run towards the false gods, you are saying, you are the one that is going to bring me freedom. You are the one that is going to save me. You are the one that will rescue me. Later on in Revelation 19, it says this. Right after talking about Babylon being defeated, it says, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who has corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Salvation was only found in one place. Temporary escape can be found everywhere. Temporary escape can be found wherever you want to go. It can be found in a walk to the park. It can be found in reading a book. It can be found in watching TV. See, the thing about idolatry is that idolatry does not always have to be explicit sinfulness. See, idolatry can be something that is good that has turned into something that has become bad. Idolatry can be obsessing over a book instead of obsessing over Jesus. I remember the first time God convicted me from reading too much and not spending time with him. And I remember having the argument God, are you crazy? I'm reading a book, bro. Seriously. But what I was doing is when I woke up in the morning, I was reading. You ever get into a good book? I woke up in the morning, I was reading. I was going before I was going to bed, I was reading. During my lunchtime, I was reading. Whenever I had that moment, I was reading. I was saying, Justin, that's, that's supposed to be your love for me. That's supposed to be your relationship with me. So I've had to guard my heart against things that could be good things that aren't necessarily bad things, but become in my heart ultimate things. Things of peace, things of comfort, things of 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 temporary pleasure and happiness. Yeah, I look forward to my vacation every year. But I have kids now, so I haven't had one in a while. And so it would have been easy to say, man, my life is garbage. I haven't been able to go on a vacation in a long time. I really miss Turks and Caicos and Cancun and the DR. Well, not anymore because they're killing people over there. But (laughs) I really miss these places. I, I had the thought, like, I need to complain about my kids. I need to complain, God, why did you do this to me? But then God asked me that question, Justin, where does your rest come from? Is your rest in your vacation or is your rest in me? At night when I have been stressed out and I just want to go to the store, get a tub of ice cream and turn on Netflix and call it a night. God will call to me and say, Justin, where does your help come from? Stop calling to the dead things of the earth. And call upon me and I will give you rest. Salvation will only be found in one place. 
As you begin to go back to the old things, remember this verse as I have remembered it. Babylon has fallen. Fallen, fallen has Babylon. All the idols have been crushed and exposed for what they really are, frauds. TV, shopping, games, food, money, sex, all of these things will never lead me towards salvation and wholeness. Only Jesus will. And we are invited every single day to enter into the promise of Jesus, to enter into his rest, to enter into what he has done for us on the cross, to remember him. Instead of running towards old habits, instead of running to old crutches, instead of texting that number that you know will be there for you for that call at night. Run towards him in prayer. You know what will happen is it may not feel good at first or the second or the third or the fifth or the 15th time. But there's something in believing in the promise of scripture and the promise of what Jesus has offered us. That what will happen is you will begin to withdraw from your idol worship. Well, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I will feel withdrawals. No, I really want to watch that. I really want to eat that. I really want to be with that person. I really want to spend this dollar. I really want to go to this place. And it may feel frustrated. You may even get more stressed out because this is how you have trained yourself to cope with stress. This is how you've trained yourself to cope with sin, with all of these things. But when you begin to train yourself to look towards Jesus... You have to remember something. He is the only one that can actually promise wholeness in the end. He is the only one that gives us eternal life. He is the only one that says out of you will then spring forth rivers of living life. Of living water will come from us. TV doesn't promise that. Vacation doesn't promise that. Our boss doesn't promise that. Nothing can promise that but God and Sometimes it's hard work to remember that in the time of idol worship because we have trained ourselves so robotically to go back to these things. But when we begin to train ourselves towards God, we begin to experience what true joy is, what true satisfaction is, what true contentment is of saying, God, you are the only one I need. You are the only one I need to go to that now when I wake up and I read scripture, that is what gives me my bread in the morning. That is what gives me my life before I go to sleep. I spend time in communion with God and that is what gives me the life that I need that sustains me to go on another day when I watch TV and then go to bed. I just feel like crap again in the morning. I just think, man, I wasted more time. I wasted this and now I have weird dreams because I was so immersed in this TV show that I was watching. But now when I spend time with Jesus, I sense his vision, his calling, his longing, his purpose. My life is put back into perspective. My suffering isn't purposeless anymore. It brings me closer to Jesus. He will meet us daily. He will meet us daily. The reality of God's dominion, of his salvation, of his power, will begin to take effect in our hearts. So that the reverse will happen when you start walking away from it. You just think, man, I haven't read scripture today. I'm going to go crazy. 
I need to get in God. See, the difference between feeding for that and feeding for TV or some whatever habit that you have is that when you go to God, you are left whole, you are left full, you are left rejoicing, you are left with your creator who made you and knows you better than anything else on this earth. See, the action here isn't go do things better. The action here is return to your first love who will make all things new. Call out to him and say, God, save me. You know, many times I realized I dig, I dug myself a ditch and I couldn't get out of it. And I thought, man, I, I've really dug low this time, God. I, I kind of woke up from my stupor. There's popcorn all around me and the TV's on and I'm half asleep on the couch. And I'm thinking, what have I been doing? Could be weeks, could be months, could be days, could be an hour. But God will wake me up and I think... I don't know how to get out of this one. I've called this person again, or maybe you used that substance again, and you were out late. You, whatever, fill in the blank that was, you've done it again, and man, now that I've had that taste again, I I remember what that's like, and I'm going to go back to that. But that is when God says, call out upon him. You can't save yourself. I always tried saving myself, man, if I just try harder, if I just do better. But I realized in those times that to pray a prayer of faith was the best thing I could do. And say, God, I've gone back to my old ways and I can't seem to get out. Can you come and save me once more? Can you break the addiction of this? Can you change my heart? To love from this, to love of you again. And man, God has been faithful every single time I prayed that sincerely and asked for forgiveness. I have woken up with a new day and said, God, I will start renewed with you. Call upon the Lord whose salvation is mighty and great and powerful. Call upon the Lord. And just like Elijah, he will answer. And guess what? No matter how you've built that altar in your life of worship to the false gods, no matter how much water you have dosed on that thing, if you've made a river around it, a moat around it, and you have looked at that and said, God cannot consume this altar of worship. Know that he can, that when you call upon his name, nothing is too hard, nothing is too powerful, no God is too great, no idol is too great for him to shatter. For he is powerful and he is great and he is worthy to be praised. Some of you are like, Justin, my altar is floating in the middle of the ocean right now and there's no way that God can consume it. And he is looking down and he's saying, that little drop. That's nothing. Call upon my name and see the salvation of the Lord. Too often, Christians have just become zombies. Obsessed with the routine of things. With the routine of doing this or doing that. 
God is calling for true worship. He's saying, I have shattered the idols. I have destroyed the great prostitute of Babylon. Yet still we worship these things like they have power and they have might. Like they have salvation, like they have greatness, like they have beauty. God calls us today and he calls us every day. Worship me. In spirit and in truth. Your freedom, your contentness, your satisfaction, your joy are secure in me. And nothing else. Can you stand with me?